Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is brought to you by the Cool Hot Guys. No, I'm not talking about me and John. I'm talking about the best air conditioning company in Arizona. You know, when it comes to AC companies, you want one you can trust. You want one that's going to be honest, straightforward, not beat around the bush. They're going to take good care of you, and that's Cool Hot Guys. Check them out online. That's going to be coolhotguys.com, or just go ahead and give them a call if you got a problem. That's 602-COOL-BUS. That's right, 602-COOL-BUS. Um, and now for today's episode, you know, today we decided to do a bunch of unique whites. We wanted to do some fun white varietals from around the world, things that people have never heard of, maybe something you, you know, wanted to learn a little something about. We also find it ironic that the owner of Cool Hot Guys refuses to drink white wines, and we made him a sponsor of this episode. So we thought it'd be kind of fun. So enjoy today's episode. Thank you very much. And be sure to check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the different social media stuff. And then we're going to be also on twitch.tv for after shows, and all the episodes will be recorded after this one. So thank you very much. rock and roll all right welcome to spilling the truth podcast yeah right now, now live on twitch now live on twitch <laughs> so weird i'm excited man it's just like it's because every single time it's like we had like a new little feature you know i always felt bad too because as we describe these wines and we go through them uh you can't actually see them we can't see the colors you can't see what they look like you can't see the bottles honestly for me wine is a very visual thing yeah i mean people go to wine tastings all the time and they're like well can you can you write down the name of this wine? I go, pull your phone out, take a picture of the label. Dude, I can't tell you how many people have showed me. They go, oh, I've been thinking about this wine. It's something. So, hold on one sec. They pull their phone out, and they just sit there, and they for like five minutes are just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Scroll. Oh, here it is. This is it. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, if you showed up with Hershgvergnugan, whatever this thing is. Oh, wait, hold on. Hershgvergnugan. <laughs> now, if I wrote that down on a piece of paper and tried to take it to a, a local cellar master, like a wine shop, they'd be like, what are you trying to order? But if I took a picture of the label and took it... Oh, if you get one letter wrong, by the way, you're definitely not going to get the right one. And actually, here's a great tip is always take a picture of the back label as well, especially with the imported wines, Uh, because it's a lot easier. If I just said, hey, I had this Gruner, it's called Hershen Bergen Fergen Durgendu, and nobody knows what the hell it is, and this guy's trying to find it by calling up all his different people going, hey, I got this guy who wants to buy a case of this wine, it's pronounced this, but if he knows the importer... That importer is only going to be with one distributor. Also, how many people might have that same name? Like, oh, you mean Giuseppe Herzengergenvergendu or Leonardo Herzengergenvergendu? That's a big misconception with uh, French wines. You end up with that with the, like Margot. People are like, oh, I was drinking a Margot the other day. Well, you're just drinking a regional Margot. Like, yeah, it's not. You're not drinking Chateau Margot. Margot. <laughs> you know? I mean, how many times when uh, when we were at Wine Warehouse and uh, we put in an order and we'd ask for like Louis Latour or one of those guys? the warehouse people would accidentally throw in the holy shit expensive stuff when we were just ordering the basic village stuff. It's only happened to me a couple times in the restaurant business where we've gotten the wrong product. I've definitely seen the wrong bottle on the shelf before where something along the lines of a Barolo, then he's got a single vineyards, and they delivered the holy shit reserve single vineyard in place of the $25 introductory wine, and they had it priced on the shelf as the $25... I will buy all of these. I'm taking all of them. Bye-bye. So are there a lot of... Because we're drinking... So today we're doing Obscure Whites, and I'm thinking about you know single vineyard stuff, and I know for a fact, like, Gruner's got a lot of single vineyard things. Yes. I can't think of, like, many other white wines that do single vineyards with the exception of Chardonnay and Champagne. 
And even from there, that's kind of where I like run dry on it. Like, I don't even, are there single vineyard Saw Blancs in France? I'm guessing probably, but. There's got to be. I mean, there's, especially in parts of the world, they've identified certain vineyards grow the best grapes in all the world. So there's like, okay, I've tried Cabernet on this hill. I've tried Malbec on this hill. I've tried Cab Brock, but for some reason, the Sauvignon Blanc, my great, 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 great grandfather found out that it grows the best. Yeah. So they named the block after his grandfather. But just because it's a single vineyard doesn't always mean it's a good wine. That just means yeah. it was pulled from one source. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's definitely better single vineyards than other single vineyards. Yeah, and just because I planted some grapes out back my house and I called it uh, Damien's Block. Yeah, Damien's Backyard Block. D's Block or something like that. Like, <laughs> Where's where's D's at? D's Block. D's Block. But if I gave it a name and then I'm like, I'm trying to sell my wine. I'm like, oh, I'm selling my single vineyard for this much. You're going to pay more for it. It's like, no, that's all you have is a single vineyard, you dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I only got one vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is a single vineyard. Everything's single vineyard. It's one. And they get, if people are going to start breaking down, like, well, this is the vineyard, but this is the row we used. Where, where it comes in, and it's very important, though, is with certain vineyards that have been identified, stuff like Tokalon, save like Beckstoffers, like stuff like, you know, really the cruise over in Burgundy when you're talking about you know so, the greatest burgundies of the world those are broken up by the vineyard sites and those vineyard names are very important but those have been done for like hundreds of years versus in America it's probably better marketing like I don't I know everybody talks about how great Tokalon is and I've had a few but I find the best stuff like we've talked about before to me comes off of mountains and I think it's just better tasting I I don't I think marketing in America is bigger than, you know, nostalgia and history. Because while Tokalon has fame right now, if you have enough money and given time and you market a vineyard for like 100 years in America, I bet we could convince people with the right money and time that Sonoma is better than Napa. If you gave patience and time and a, just a shit ton of money, you could convince new people you know, new wine drinkers that Sonoma is better. And you could do it now too, because it's more inexpensive and people aren't drinking the nap stuff. Like younger kids got to influence that next generation. I think if you get the young kids, by the time those kids grow up and become adults and have money and bank accounts, you could do it. Unfortunately, Napa just has that prestige based on the Paris tasting of 76, what they won, which they've, the way they've stood up globally. Really, the, the power of Napa Valley wines is hard to mistake and it's hard to duplicate. We were talking about drinking them too young earlier today. We were talking about often the, the Napa Valley guys release their wines and you can't even drink them because they're just too damn young. But you know what? After a few years, those wines are unbelievable. I don't think a lot of other parts of the country will have wines develop quite the same way. I'd be intrigued. I, I bet there's a lot of stuff in Sonoma because it's so it's just close enough. The valleys are pretty much right there and it's a little bit cooler. And just that little bit of cooler might make that acid hang on a lot longer. I think I wouldn't be surprised if somebody in the future starts pulling out like old Sonoma Valley or even maybe Alexander or Sonoma Valley itself instead of like, you know, that whole far massive Russian river area. And all of a sudden you're drinking cabs out of it going, wow, this is actually better than that. It aged longer. I bet like it's kind of that tortoise in the hair thing. Like Sonoma is the long term cabs are way better versus right now the best stuff is Napa. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do for a future episode is we'll do a brown bag episode with Sonoma versus Napa. Well, we'd have to find goat like Verites up there because they're well, Sonoma. But we'll, we'll set up a price point. Like we don't have to go, oh my God, what the hell? But we'll just say, put a $50 cap on it, you know, or $60 cap. We'll do four or five wines total. We'll brown bag them all and we'll vote on it. And maybe we'll have a guest on and have that guest yeah. go through it. Somebody who's maybe not quite tied into the wine business like we are, but maybe a good friend who's a collector, 
that can actually a good wine drinker, a good wine but, drinker, but some, isn't. someone who's actually the benchmark of the public, not us, because we're not the public. Yeah. Like my palate is not the general public. Your knowledge is not the general public. Like we're kind of two anomalies in this business, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be fun. We'd have to start finding some really cool like Sonoma guys that are newer and upcoming. I mean, the nice thing about wines is experimental. You can find crap and everywhere all and, the time and maybe another reason why the beer explosion has happened is because it is much easier to become a beer professional or a beer geek or know a lot more much easier like you and i have been studying wine for years and years and years i mean combined you and i have 30 40 years combined of wine yeah. wine making wine knowledge wine selling wine drinking or maybe even more than that i mean yeah. but it's a good 20 years plus for both of us so Today, as we were going through this, we're doing research, trying to figure out stuff, more stuff about these varietals, more stuff about oh, it. blown away by some of the stuff we found. There's varietals as we're going through this book. We don't even know what the hell they are. We've been in the business for, like I said, combined 40 years. There was, there was one varietal that was literally just GRK. Like, what? Yeah. How do you even pronounce that? And it's Czechoslovakian, so it's probably like, <laughs> or something. But a beer guy, okay, I've learned about IPAs, lagers, this. You're not going to throw some crazy GRK varietal at them. Like, yeah, like hops will be the weird things that they all learn. Yeah, and there's still only so many different types of beer. Like, you're not going to walk into a beer shop that often and be completely surprised. Yeah. You know, you might be like, oh my God, these guys did this, or this is a collaboration project, or oh my God, I really like the beers these guys are doing. But nobody's just all of a sudden, you're not going to walk up and be like, what is this? I mean, it's happened, I think, a little more recently with people doing... Craft beers. Some of these unique craft beers, whether it's like milkshake IPAs or stuff like that. But as a general rule, you know what you're getting into. Hey, I know if I, I want a lager, I want a Pilsner, I want a Stout, I want a Porter. But also look how fast that beer pops up. All of a sudden, hazy IPAs are a big thing, and those were what created what? What were we talking about? Like seven years ago, maybe? And now they're everywhere and the most popular. Dude, wine, seven years, you're barely, barely starting to hit a stride with your good grapes but, in that vineyard that you have. You have, a, you have 800 white varietals in Italy that most people in America have never heard of. Yeah. And, and that's the reason why we wanted to do this as our theme today was unique white varietals. Because the white wine drinkers of the world are some of the hardest to crack. Yeah. You red wine drinkers, you guys will try anything. Oh, red wine drinkers will do anything. And, and I understand some people like Pinots, and you give them a cab, you're like, well, I don't really like cabs, but I'll try it. Or that's a gateway into other types. Like, um, I like Pinot, I'm not really like cab. Well, maybe I'll try a Malbec, maybe I'll try a Merlot, maybe I'll try other things. But they're here, try my 42 grape varietal blend. It's red. It's going to have Cab, Merlot, Pinot, Tempranillo. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Sink, I will try, try it. it. Yeah. You go to somebody who's a buttery Chardonnay drinker and you try and get them to drink something that's not a buttery Chardonnay. Good luck. Yeah. Good they're luck. They're not going to even do it. Or New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs. And we were talking about this on actually one of our first podcasts was the white blends have got to be the most difficult sell in America. Well, yeah, that Bordeaux blend that we have, that, what was that, Semillon and... Uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc. And I love it. There's zero chance I'd be able to sell that. Just because I could tell people it's a Sauvignon Blanc, but they'd be like, oh, it doesn't taste the same. It's too buttery. It's too creamy. It's too, too many, the white wine drinkers of the world often go down, they, they find the one thing that they like, and they stick to it. Do you like buttery Chardonnay? You stick to it. If you don't like buttery Chardonnay, it's the first thing you usually say. It's like, I like Chardonnay, but I don't like the buttery ones. Yeah. Like, you know that those are the kind you don't like. Or Sauvignon Blancs, like I said, New Zealand is a style that most people gravitate towards. There's some people that can't stand that grapefruit, cat pee, gooseberry it characteristic. It smells like cat pee, Some man. of them are and I, I, I like Sauv Blanc, but dude, I've cracked some New Zealand Sauv Blancs, and I was like, oh my God, there's rabid cats throughout the winery, and nobody gave a shit to stop them from peeing in the tanks. So uh, today, our, our whole thought process was, let's grab three really fun, unique varietals that you can drink 
poolside. You can drink with food. You can have it with tacos and burgers and barbecue and sit outside and have them or sit inside in your air conditioning and have them. But something that's unique that's not just Chardonnay, not just Sauvignon Blanc, something that you could show up to a party and kind of wow your friends with even. Yeah, and also something that you may have heard in passing, not like a totally obscure you know, grape from like what we were talking about, that one region of the world where it's grown, you have to go there and get it. But something that you'll find at a Total Wine, a Safeway, a big shop, like a name that you definitely have heard before and just never wanted to try it because you've never had before. Nobody's ever brought it to a party. It's never been on like a menu you saw. But one of these you'll definitely see more on menus, but these other two probably not unless you go to like a really unique restaurant. You know, It's something that you can get for what I, I think each bottle was on estimate roughly that 10 to $15 area. You know, you could just throw a party. If you want to do this at home and have something really fun with some friends, throw and you want to do white wines. Say you want to learn more about white wines. Get together with your four or five friends, 10 friends, 100 friends, whatever you have, and say, I'm throwing an ABC party. What's an ABC party? You got to bring a, a bottle of white wine, anything but Chardonnay. Anything, ABC. Uh, I like that. So that's where your party. It's my ABC party. And do those once in a while, but force people to come over and be like, hey, we're doing a pool party, but you got to bring ABC. You'll be surprised. Some of the Dude, things- you could do that with reds too. Anything but cab. Yeah. And, and your mind is going to get blown away by some of these varietals and some of these wines people are going to show up with that, yeah, you're going to have a friend show up with Yellowtail or Barefoot or some weird thing, but you know what? You might get a Vino Verde or a Torrantes. Yeah. Or and heck. this is perfect for summertime. These things are so refreshing and delicious. And you know, like so for me, like... All right, so I poured these. I know which ones are well. I poured, you weren't looking when I poured these, and the bottles aren't in the order. So you gotta kind of got to figure out which one all each right. one is. I think one of them you might be able to guess unless all the bubbles disappear. Okay, I'm going to say the, the one in the middle, instantly I'm going to say is Vino Verde from looking at it. And I say this because, uh, so the three wines we have in front of us are going to be Gruner, Torrantes, and Vino Verde. And those are the, we'll talk more about each one of these individually. Did you? Did you move your glasses at all? No. Really? But there's a lot. That's got to be the Vino because it's all bubbly. Vino Verde always has a ton of effervescence. So this is the, the cheating that I do. Uh, just, that's so weird. That means the glasses are mixed up. You might have mixed them up when you moved them over. You've been a little out of it all day today anyways. Oh, man. My brain is like, it was like 80% today. Yeah. Well, whatever. You'll know You'll know the Torontes immediately. Yeah. Tor- Torontes would be this one right here. Yeah. Uh, this would be the Vino Verde. And then this would be the... Gruner. And and literally, I can tell that just by smelling it or looking at it real quick. Right. And people are like, holy shit, how the fuck do you do that? Yeah. Well, there's a couple key things in this. One, I know the three varietals, so it, it's process of elimination. One, uh, Vino Verde, like I said, there's always a little touch of effervescence to it. So I, I instantly said, okay, there's effervescence in this glass right yeah, here. Yeah, there's a little bubbles that stick on. Think of like almost like a Coke glass where it kind of sticks to the side a little bit. And there's a nose that Torontes has that's so unique. It's this perfumey, so floral, white flowers. I always say, you know, when you taste wines, you're smelling wines, I tell people, jump into the glass. You want to put your whole face into the glass because you want to get all the esters. Like when you get it up there, you're like... You'll see people, they're pressing that top of that glass to the top of the bridge of their nose because they want to smell everything. Yeah. Tarantes, you don't have to do that. You could have it a good I, like I, fist away from your face and smell I, it. I could be the pompous like wine drinker, be like, mm, mm, above the glass. Mm. And oh, I know you that's didn't put your pinky out. And I know that's Tarantes because it's so powerful. I love, see, I love wines like Tarantes. So when I think of Tarantes, I think of Malvasia, I think of Viognier, certain sub Blancs, Gruner Vetliner, if you have a great one. Uh, not Gruder Vetliner. I'm oh, sorry. Gewurztraminer uh, was the one I was thinking. Where you could smell it from a good, you know, six, seven inches away from your face. And it's just potent. Versus, yeah, these other ones, you got to get in there for it. 
I like the Vino Verde. It's really unique, you know, varietal because they leave it just the slightest bit carbonated. So it kind of gives you that little tingly sensation in your mouth, which, uh, you know, you're outside sitting by a pool or what, what do we hit today? Like 105? You know, it's perfect for that. 197. Yeah. Dude, it was a, it was a cooking kind of a day and I'm not talking about food. I was like, if you stepped outside. All right. So as far as white wines, let's, let's kind of just take this back and dumb it down a little bit. You know, most people know Chardonnay. Chardonnay is going to be your, your, a lot of times big and round. It's grown all over the world. It's grown in Burgundy and France. It's grown in California. It's one of the most grown varietals on the planet is Chardonnay. The next most known white varietal out there is probably going to be Sauvignon Blanc. And after that, you get into Pinot Grigio. And those are probably some of your... your That's your main top your, your, three. Your, your, your main top three. Now, you're going to start seeing some other little ones pop up on your list. Uh, like the Albarinos kind of became popular there for a little bit. Yep. But often, you'll notice on a wine list, they'll have three Chardonnays, two Sauvignon Blancs, one Pinot Grigio. And yep. that's the wine list. Like, they keep it so dumbed down. And, and a champagne in there if they don't have a bubbles list on its own. So, I always gravitate towards unique whites. I like ones that are very, very high in acid. I love that zippiness to it. I like having food with my white wine. And high acid whites just pair so perfectly. We went out for dinner the other night, and we had a Sylvaner, which yeah. is a... A white wine from northeastern Italy up in the mountains that's like racy and zippy. And it was an old vintage. I don't know where they found this bottle. They pulled it out. And I was like, it's underneath the food rack from dude, like they built was, the building five it, years ago. And it was a 12. And here's the other thing about these white wines. White wines with a ton of acid age really well. Oh, now, yeah. now, I don't really consider always Vino Verde as being a, a zippy, age-worthy, acidic wine. Well, to be fair, the acidity in it's kind of masked by the fact that it has carbonation in it. So it comes off a little bit more acidic. I mean, CO2 is an acidic thing anyway, so it kind of cheats a little bit. So let's talk Vino Verde. Ver- Vino Verde is, a re- right, we'll is, kind, Vino of a, Verde is kind of a region. Yes. Okay, so Vino Verde, I, wanted, I think this is a good one to do first because really you don't see Vino Verde sold a lot during the winter months. This is a wine that they push nationally hard all summer long. Yeah. Most Vino Verdes are under $10 a bottle. Yes. Most of the time, you can get them for anywhere from 5 to 10 I think this one was like 9 Yeah, and it's a very good example of one. That's the nice thing about this bottle of wine is for $10, it tastes fantastic. Vino Verde. Green. So Vino, green, Vino Verde. Green wine, green land, green. Yeah, young, young, young vine or green vine. So yeah, it basically means like young vine. And uh, so Vino Verde, is, it's a region in Portugal. Um, and it's the most northwest part of Portugal you can get. And it's made up of about like it's like 30 or 40 different grapes are allowed to be technically called Vino Verde. So there's most, So just to make something clear, we're drinking a white Vino Verde. And uh, so they can have rosé and they can have red. But you're probably not really going to see that in America. You're probably just going to see the white varietal type. And they make it, you know... It's meant to be drank within a year, I would say two at the absolute most. But the crazy thing is, is they used to do malolactic fermentation on it. And I assume they still do because there's that like hair bit of creaminess in it. And uh, so it would leave a little bit of, you know, CO2 in the bottle. And then so, you know, we in America, we'd pour it or they'd pour it out there. And that's a little bit of carbonation to it, which would make it a little bit more zippy, a little more racy. Just that little tingly sensation on your tongue. And so eventually, you know, we in America loved it and it was very popular. And so now they force carbonate it just the slightest bit. And we're not talking about when you pour, it's going to keep bubbling. It's going to it's going to come out fizzy and then die immediately. I like to call it effervescence, not bubbles. Yeah. Somebody else gave me a term for that one time. It's that it's such a pretentious snooty word, too. And I'll think of it at some point sometime. But what's nice, it almost livens up the wine just a little bit. But it's it's not like champagne. When you swish champagne around your mouth, like you're doing a tasting. It turns to foam. It it turns to foam. 
starts coming out your ears, your eyes, your nose, like comes out of everything. Cough Whereas, a little bit. That doesn't happen to this. Like when this goes in, it's it's pretty much flat, but the bubbles are mostly add little pinpricks yeah. kind of to it. And this is to me is a greener vino verde or a more yellow vino verde than what I've seen. They're usually almost the color like they water. drift in the water category. Yes, yeah. Without, they I, look almost clear. I think it's got the least pigment of any white wine I've tried as yeah. a general rule. I mean, because I've seen them in bottles before where it looks it's clear. like it looks like water. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen bottles that they use because this is like a yellowish greenish bottle. But they, yeah, actually, no, it's not. It's actually the right color. It's like that bluish tint. So it kind of makes it look like there's a color to it when you have the bottle. And I will say the one also nice thing about Vino Verdes is there's nuances between them. There's better ones and there's ones that are not as good. But as a general rule, they're all pretty damn close. If I said if I sent five of my friends to the store right now to buy Chardonnay and they all came back with a Chardonnay not knowing what the fuck they were buying, I'd have five different wines. Uh, two buttery ones, a crisp one, or like a quirky, nasty one, and, and probably like a warm climate bullshit one. Yeah. You know, there's... If I sent five friends to the store to buy Vino Verde, every single wine would taste it's almost exactly the, the same. same. Yeah. And that's what's really nice about these is there's a consistency to it. You know that you're like, fuck, I just need a wine to take to this pool party. Vino Verde. Yeah. And it's great too, especially like honestly, like if you're the type of person who likes to mix like certain drinks, like Vino Verde is a good little like floater or splash to kind of liven up a drink. Kind of like the way they splash club soda into something to give us uh, some bubbles and life to it. And I'm telling you, th- this with uh, tacos is a perfect pairing. Oh, yeah. Like this with a little cilantro. Like pickle, yeah, cilantro pickled uh, onions on that yes. taco. Oh, so, yeah. Because the, the little touch of sweetness in this will counterbalance the spiciness from a taco, but like ceviche in this. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Well, the whole Northwest region is mostly just, you know, fish, uh, Atlantic-based food. Plus, it's, you know, just barely by Spain. So there's definitely going to be that little touch of some type of kick in there. I mean, honestly, like, it's great for Arizona, Cali, Texas kind of style drinking, especially always with the heat and the Mexican food. This is this is really good. I'm definitely going to enjoy the hell out of this one for a while. And, and there's no specific regions where you have to, like, go to that region and get the better one. You know, we're going to talk about this a little bit at Toronto's. Is there's Toronto's grown in different parts of the country, but there's a certain part of the country that is known to produce the best. Yeah. Vino Verde is the region. It's where it's produced. You're not going to find a Vino Verde made in America. You're not going to get a Vino Verde nope. made in... It's only Portugal. And you know what? There's actually a, a, a Southern Italian version-ish that is spelled similar that's confused, <laughs> but we won't get into it because, you know... Those I'm trying not to confuse anybody. <laughs> well, the problem also, like we were saying in the beginning with the wine business, is there's just so much, there's so much crossover, there's so much confusion, you know? And that's the other thing about the wine business, is that they're finding out still that there's certain varietals that aren't the vital varietal you thought it was. Like South America, we're talking about this area like like Chile, like growing Carmenere forever. They thought it was freaking Merlot. Yeah. They thought it was Merlot forever. They picked it like it was Merlot. Carmenere needs to hang a couple more weeks. They found out it was Carmenere. All of a sudden, Chile's producing some of the best Carmenere instead of shitty Merlot, (laughs) you know? But they literally thought it was Merlot for generations. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, once you learn how to cultivate it right, grow it right, and everything, all of a sudden, your grape varietal becomes amazing because you were doing the right thing the whole time. Yeah. Like I said, the one thing that's going to make this easier for y'all, too, is the fact that... It comes from one place in the world. Yeah. So you're not you don't have to worry about finding a crazy yeah. and there's no Swedish outstanding, one. super awesome Vino Verde producers. They're just all good at making something similar. Yeah, because Vino Verde should not be taken serious. Vino Verde is something you should sit outside, eat tacos with your friends, crush bottles. Oh and yeah, and laugh. don't even pour it into a glass. Drink straight from the bottle. No, it's it's 
not it's not something you're gonna want to age. You're not gonna. It's just a fun white wine. They're super affordable. Plus, you can buy three or four of these bottles. They're not gonna break the bank. No, and the alcohol is only like 11, 12 percent at most. You know, if I have forty dollars and you have forty dollars to spend, and you buy one forty dollar bottle of wine, and I buy four ten dollar bottles of wine, we both show up to the party. Who's more popular, the guy that brought <laughs> one bottle, or the guy that brought four? Good point. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, we could chip in and just buy a case at eighty bucks at that point. That's. I mean, that's what's really nice about these wines. You know, and this producer, uh, Avaleda, is actually a really good quality producer. Uh, these are this is a producer I've had some of their other wines over the years. I actually used to represent one of their other wines uh, just recently. Really, 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 really that's random. quality producer. Yeah, that's why I looked at the importer in the back to see who was actually importing it. Was it Skernik? <laughs> no, it's not Skernik. Skernik does mostly uh, German-Austrians. Okay. And French and that kind of style. Okay, well, that's the one we got. Do you want to do that one? Well, let's do the Gewürztraminer then. You want to do the Gewurz yeah, next? Yeah, let's go to the Gewurz. Do the Torontos last. I'm, I'm really happy we did, we chose this alt-white theme uh, because... Got to be careful, man. It's, can't say alt-white. All right. <laughs> it's <laughs> alternate white. Alternate white theme. <laughs> We're going to get put in the wrong category. All of a sudden, I'm blocked on YouTube. Hashtag Proud Boys of Wine. Because it's an alt-white podcast. <laughs> like, what? No, no, oh, wine. shit. <laughs> it's fucked up, dude. Oh, man. Dude, if there's an algorithm out there reading this, like, yep, yeah, that's it. We're putting this on uh, Stephen King's thing. Band. Band. <laughs> Although, who knows? Who, who knows who's out there these days listening to what? I really like that wine. It's To me, it's not very exciting. It's just easy drinking. Yeah. It doesn't have enough acid, personally, for my own tastes. But this is, a, like I said, I want just want to grill some stuff, like, it's what you drink while you do some the grilling. skewers yeah. and you know it's like it's like whenever you have like like I'm sitting over here I've still got the cores I was drinking earlier it reminds me of that like I like cores like I just like original banquet not Coors Light but the original cores the banquet beer I like it like I think it tastes you know decent for the most part for what it is and I'll still enjoy it this to me is similar to that like it's not a wine that I'd be like wow I can't believe how good this is and it's done I'm just like oh that was really tasty I enjoyed that cool and I'll be honest. We talk a lot about letting wines warm up, and a lot of times I like my whites to warm up a little bit as I drink them because I drink a lot of high-quality whites. And when your white wine is too cold, it hides all the flavors. It hides it hides the good stuff, but also hides the bad stuff. You yeah. know, the cheaper the wine, the colder you want to serve it. That's why you know they serve you that Coors Banquet beer at thirty-two degrees. <laughs> and wait, wait for the mountains to turn blue. Yeah, you don't want to drink it at fifty. Nope. But I'll tell you, this is a wine I want to drink ice cold. I think as this warms yeah. up, it's gonna it's. It's not going to be as good. I think this is a wine I want at 36 degrees. Oh, this is a wine that if your mom likes drinking white wine with ice cubes, you give her this This is definitely an ice cube wine. It's an ice cube wine. It's not a bad thing. I'm just saying this is a wine to me that needs to be ice cold. Yeah, definitely. And it's not because flaws are going to come out. It's just I think it keeps it a little racier and a little more zippy. Whereas something like the Gruner, you don't have to worry about raciness or zippiness because this is already one of the most highest acid grapes that's produced in Europe. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of this Gruner. This is the Herbinge Gergen Vergen Durgen that we gotta, we've got. I got to figure this out. This is, hold on. All right, you try it this time. I'll try it next time. Well, Hersh Vergen Nugen. No, no, fuck. Hersh Vergen Well, it's uh, those two Nugen. dots, so you got to say it like. Nugen. Nugen. Hersh Vergen Nugen. Nugen. Yeah. Somebody tried explaining to me how to appropriately pronunciate those like two little dots. Like, you got to hit a hard inflection. Like, Gustav, like, when we were playing, I always play FIFA. There was a guy named Otzel on the German team. He's like, it's Utzel. And it's just, like, the way it's done. And that's probably wrong, too, but... So, w- what I do when I buy 
uh, lines <laughs> like this. I love that he's riding a reindeer. I was just thinking the same thing. And it's like a adolescent pudgy kid. <laughs> it is. It's a fat little kid. <laughs> a fat little kid riding a reindeer. He looks like, what's that animal that's half human and half goat? Because <laughs> he looks like he has hooves on his feet. <laughs> so weird. Whatever. But, you know, when, when, I'm, when I'm in a wine shop and I'm trying to buy a wine that I'm unsure of sometimes or I'm unsure of the producers, <laughs> I often will gravitate towards importers. And for me, the one of the benchmark importers of high acid whites from German, Austria, Loire, France is going to be Skurnik. There are more cues and vowels on the back of this label than I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> the back of the label is Hirsch Gumpf Cameron Nierdust Unsch 2016 Hirsch Nugen Gruner Vetliner. I, I keep thinking of the Swedish chef every time we say this. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I love that that's the that's the way that Americans immediately say so Jurgen Hergen Vergen or something. Yeah, we're assholes. <laughs> I wonder what they do over in like Sweden if like, hey cowboy, do your thing, cowboy. Do you want a hamburger? Yeah, cheeseburger, <laughs> bang, bang, pew, pew. Or they're probably like pool, pool, pool. <laughs> So, I love it. So, Gruner, when I was actually, my first time in Austria, I was actually shocked because that's pretty much all they drink. They drink this for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Well, I mean, like, so planting-wise, Gruner Vetliner in Austria is one-third of all the grapes they produce out there. When a third of your entire country plants one grape, yeah, that's pretty much all you're going to drink. <laughs> so, uh, something to notice, and this will pop up, when you buy Austrian wines... You will actually see a red and white, almost like a flag. It almost looks like the diver's flag on the top of the labels. And that basically means that the wine has been tested by the government. So there was a scandal in the 80s where Austrian producers got caught putting ethylene glycol. Yeah, antifreeze. Antifreeze in wines because it actually makes it taste sweeter. Uh, that's why they say antifreeze tastes sweet. That's why animals will gravitate towards a puddle of it, and then it makes them go blind and crazy die. and yeah. die. Yeah. So uh, I guess some people got caught putting this product, or some of this product was actually in wine. So Austrian wines are now the most regulated and the most strictly tested wines on the planet for flaws, impurities, additives, everything. Like literally, that little logo on the top of that means that this wine was tested more rigorously than any other wine on the planet so because i was on a screw cap is that only because or is that flag only on a screw cap now or because i've actually never noticed have we ever yeah they're on foils okay because i was like i don't think i've ever yep. popped a cork out of an austrian wine i've always had the screw cops screw caps well because most of the whites that they're have the wines are going to be these whites i mean we've had some corks in some of the gruners we've had i mean some of the gruners are crazy because they do the gruners in the one liter bottles yeah that's such a weird thing because they are the only people i've ever seen who do one liter bottles yeah yeah, and, and it's, it's not even like, like Gruner's ceiling and floor is really unique because their bad stuff is still like, meh, it's okay, but their good stuff is fantastic. World class. Yeah. I, I'm sure that's one thing I've never been, had the honor of having is a very old Gruner. Dude, it's, Gruner's such a crazy thing. I, and I, I was telling you earlier, like, I thought it was really weird that I had never heard of or seen Gruner for a long time. And then all of a sudden one day it just exploded. And it turned out that I guess Jancis Robinson was out doing a like massive tasting with Tim Atkins about this, which are both master of wine people. And um, back in like the early 2000s and they put Gruner up against Grand Cru Burgundies and the Gruner hands down one like all of it. So they kind of had their reverse, you know, Paris or I don't know what Austria's main 
city would be, but like basically the Paris tasting of 76 in our case, it was theirs. Vienna. Vienna. Wow, I should have known that one. You probably should have. Probably really should have <laughs> known that one. But it's okay. Yeah. It's when I was over there, I went for breakfast. I was like, can I have some orange juice? They're like, no, don't have any orange juice. Do you have any grapefruit juice? No. What do you have? Well, Gruner. Gruner. <laughs> the look I might I might squeeze the grapefruit into the grunner. The look she like they gave me like Gruner. Like that's what we drink. You I'm, I'm thirsty. All right, here's some Gruner. Yeah, it's just as acidic as grape juice and orange juice. I mean the acid in this is so defined. It's not over the top in this producer. In other producers I've had of Gruner, it's more more racy, more almost a salty, racy, acidic characteristic where this is almost has a little touch of creaminess. This to feels the back like of it. it's got yeah, like this went through a malolactic treatment a little bit. Because there's definitely some lingering creaminess, and it's definitely not over the top. And there's a couple flavors in there that, in my mind, it makes me think they may have done ML on it. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know how I'd find out without obviously Googling it. But I will say out of all the Gruners I've ever had, this to me has some of the most, it's one of the most refined. The It's not, some Gruners, because of the acid and it being so racy, it could throw, it could throw off the balance of the wine. And I enjoy that that confusion my palate goes through when I have them, but even some of the quality ones confuse my palate. Yeah. Whereas this, this is a quality producer. Like, this is definitely one of the higher quality Gruners I've ever had. Yeah, I mean, and for the most part, you know, your best Gruners are going to fall at that $20 area. Unfortunately, nobody listening can buy it because not, neither, not, neither of us have actually pronounced it with a damn. No, but at least they'll be able to see pictures of it on the Instagram later. Of course. <laughs> yeah, so at least you could see it. I mean, the same thing. We got it at a Total Wine. You know, we did one of those things. We just walked around Total Wine for a while. I'm like, all right, we got to find some people might like and go from there. Because the main one, what's the main one we drink? The uh, the Brundlesmeyer? The Brundlemeyer. Yeah, that stuff is unreal. Which is good. also imported by the same person. Okay. By the same group. It's a Skernick wine. Yeah. I mean, how many can be imported at this point? Like, there's probably like, I don't know, a few hundred thousand bottles of Gruner that make it into the U.S. Oh, there's a lot of Gruner that comes yeah. to the United States. A lot. I started seeing it on menu. It's funny because it's called, it's called Gruner Veltliner, but we just all say Gruner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's no point in saying that. Ass- it's weird, though, because, you know, you, uh, you always tend to, most people tend to drop that last little bit. So, like, I wonder, instead of saying Vino Verde, people just say Vino. The but other- then that doesn't work, though, because then that could be anything. We were at Atlas Bistro, and you said, what do you bring? I said, I think I'm going to bring some Pinot. Yeah, I said Pinot. Did, did you say, do you mean Gris? Yeah, we don't even say Cabernet. <laughs> we just, I'm bringing Cab. cab. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I only the only time I ever have to ask anybody what they got when they just write Pinot is like on our menu, they just put Pinot. I'm like, Pinot Grigio or Pinot Noir? I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I meant, you know, this thing. It's just we're so used to dropping the last, the last word basically. It's I'm not liking it though as it warms up. Like with this one, that's either? my style. Yeah, I don't like this as it's warming up. Not in a bad way. I don't like it. I just really like it when it's cold. I mean, as far as like notes, the Vino Verde that we had first was very mild on all the flavor profiles, and that's what's really nice about it. It's really almost like a nice beginner introductory wine. Yeah. Whereas this has a lot more fruit. This has. It's a stone for this for sure. It's like I think almost like peaches and lemons. Lots of lots of lemon, a uh, lot of uh, oily uh, peeling characteristics, like you know a zest. Yeah, like lemon zest, that oily yes, lemon, that citrus kind of characteristic, but not like lime. But yeah, I'd, I'd go with like the rind of a grapefruit or a lemon. This is another one like it's almost a little too racy, even maybe for some tacos because the heat 
from a salsa might actually <laughs> not go Burn well with the acidity in this. I'd want something a little sweeter. I think the Torontos might actually go even a little better with something like tacos. Yeah, I, I could I could see that. I think this is more of something you would have with something real fatty, like a fish for sure. Yes, like but a thinking, fatty fish. Yes. I'm thinking like a, a grilled swordfish, a steaky swordfish yeah. grilled. Like octopus maybe, scallops, something that comes across fatty, like salmon. Like I wouldn't do this with a tuna or anything but like a real like rich salmon like this is definitely a this is probably a much better food friendly wine than the vino verde and the torrantes like those will just be your drinking wine gruner vetliner was definitely it's great to drink by itself and just as good with food we we've had many nights where we've actually had red wine style dishes but we're sitting there still drinking yeah, gruner. Drink the gruner for it yeah whereas you're right i would not want this with like my main steak entree but i could have a glass of gruner with it yeah. So here's something crazy about Gruner. I love this because I was reading this earlier. I, I know how we talk about like fun wine facts and stuff. You're, you like the the numbers on things. I like the really weird stories. Gruner Vetliner has a crazy weird heritage story. So like there's a, uh, a whole thing on, I think it's like UC Davis and Bordeaux. They constantly break down the genetic profiles of as many grapes as they could find to see who the lineage is, whose parent is who, you know, what grape, grape came from what grape. For instance, like Cab Sauve is the child of Cab Franc and Sauvignon Blanc. Well, Gruner Vetliner doesn't even come from the Vetliner family at all. It's totally separate. Its parents is actually Sauvignon, and so it's basically Traminer grape. And then for the longest time, they couldn't figure out basically who the other lineage was. And so for, you know, this like 30, 40 year period, didn't they know just who that baby up. daddy was. They didn't know who the baby daddy was. It wasn't getting child support. <laughs> it was just up. on its own. It was given the wrong last name. It wasn't even given the right thing. Totally. Yeah. They were just, you know, out there as poor things, just living out there on its own, trying to make itself in the world, being its own little thing. Been raised by his mama. Been raised by his mama. And uh, so eventually, you know, deadbeat dad was found. <laughs> <laughs> so they found him out in the field all by himself. No, so what happened was is uh, out in the middle of Austria, there was some just run over, dilapidated field, and there's this one vine in this whole fucked up field, and then the guy who owned it had it genetically tested just to see what it was, see if they can make grapevines from it, and they accidentally found it's Gruner's dad, baby. It's, it's basically the other half of Gruner Veltliner. And this was back in 2007 when they found this. And then so the guy had this thing in the whole field the whole time. And they found out that the vine is 500 years old, so still alive. And then in 2011, somebody went out there and, like, fucked the vine up pretty badly. And so Austria actually designated the plant as a natural monument. So they saved it. They took clippings from it. They did what they can to bring it back to life. And now they're actually going to try and make wine out of this grape. And they're calling it St. Georgian well, it's a St. Georgian vine. So it's the city of St. Georgians out of somewhere in Austria. So for a long time, they couldn't figure out what it was. You know, they've been great at finding whose parents are what. They don't know who's connected in what ways or another. But this one straight up was just a blank slate. They're like, I have no idea. We can't find anything. And it turns out that in the middle of some field, in the middle of some town, there's a 500-year-old vine. And it's the only vine on the planet left of this one grape. <laughs> That to me is so weird. Like it, it, something it's like crazy, that gets but found. It, but it's not actually a totally uncommon story in the wine business because I've heard stories similar in Italy where this girl grew up with her family and they made white wines. And the regional families made this one growing up. She remember like the grandparents making this one type of wine off this one type of grape. Yeah. And as the production went up, everybody in the town uprooted this one grape that everybody used to make for a hardier version of this varietal that they were selling. Okay. So, so the varietal that everybody was drinking when they were young 
just disappeared. It's like if you drank Sangiovese in Napa and then it's got better, you tore it all out to put in cab. cab. Totally. So then all of a sudden now your grandkids are going, man, I really wish I could find this. And went on this search around to see who had it. And nobody had it. It was all gone. Went to every farmer. Gone, 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 gone. They finally found one person that was like, I got a couple of those vines out back still. We just keep it for fun, and it's just been there. Can we take a look at it? Sure. They have it tested at the university. Test is a unique varietal that's never been tested in the world before, and now they are cloning it, and they want to produce this varietal again on a national it's level. It's kind of like remaking level. vinyl. Everybody switched to cassettes, then CDs, then it went streaming, and people went, damn, I wish I had vinyl. So they went to go and find people who could press vinyl. But they that, found this on this one but, weird grape varietal. By the way, what was the grape varietal? Do it, you know? It was. It's a, it's a version of Trebbiano. Okay, so it's like a mutant offspring. Yes, but Italy also has 50 different wines they call Trebbiano that aren't even related (laughs) to the Trebbiano grape. That's funny. We'll get to that with Tarantes after that. Yeah, Trebbiano is a very unique thing in Italy. Uh, So, But this was up in the Suave region. So this was, they were growing uh, Garganica uh, for their Suaves, and they started growing more of that. So this is like a Trebbiano de Suave, like a whole different version that it's now... If if one farmer had cut down their last five vines forty years ago instead of letting them just grow wild, it'd be gone forever. Be gone this, forever. You know, same thing with this. You know, Austrian deadbeat dad vine. Deadbeat dad vine. There's one in Spain that I had a long time ago. I thought was really cool. And uh, the na- the way I know it, I'm not sure what the actual varietal is, but the grape when it came to America, there's only two vineyards left in the world of it. It's called Vitadillo, and it's in Spain. And uh, I had, we'd opened up a couple bottles of it when I, when I first met you at AZ Wines. And it was such a crazy grape. And I remember reading things saying the vines are about 90 to 100 years old, and they don't think they can make cuttings from them. They're just, it was too hot of a region. It just wouldn't plant. They couldn't keep it alive. And so once it's gone, it's gone. But then I hear a story about this vine's 500 years old, and they made cuttings from it too. I wonder if they tried. I mean, some Gruner Vetliner, I know a lot of grape vines out there only make it to maybe like that 25-year period before they rip it up, plant new. There's 150-year-old Gruner Vetliner plants that are still out there still making grapes. I'd be I'd be intrigued to see what that tastes like. Old, 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 true old vine. Like we're talking even before World War One old vines and see what those those grapes come off of that taste like not not to mention you know some of these producers over there you know we were talking about single vineyards to start to show if you're one of the great gruner producers somebody like brunelmeyer brunelmeyer has a selection of single vineyards where they have 50 vineyards in front of them but they've identified the three best to produce the very best gruner every single year so that's the importance of certain single vineyards because you're like all right out of everything we make we put our basic one is a blend of all 50 but then the best, that hill right there, those four rows go into this bottling. See, that's These really, four rows go into this bottling. That's really cool because, I mean, you're right. They, they've been doing it so long. We were talking about single venues earlier. These guys have been doing this for so long that they're like, that's the spot you guys have, the Grand Crews of Gruner. I don't know what they would call them because obviously Grand Crew would not translate right. Grunden Kruden. I can't pronounce it. Yeah. Neither can, neither can anybody for the most part, unless you're well, the, the European. Ger- well, the German and Austrians, for me, were the, the toughest to pronounce going through into when I was getting my CSW and my uh, yeah. my SOM. It was the Erzen, Gergen, Fuglerberglung, and all these other things. I, I had the toughest time trying to even spell them or pronounce them. So. Yeah. So let's put that off to the side. One of the few things the French made easy, they just called it crew. Yeah, no <laughs> three letters that anybody can pronounce. Like, you can't really fuck that up. No, you really can't. <laughs> I think it's also because we know it for so long. I bet if for like the next 200 years, only people drank Gruners, they would know the names appropriately. Like 
like the same way we know French Burgundy. Like I, it can kind of say certain things. But, but, I'm ta- but something like this Gruner though, like like nice rich cheeses, blue cheeses, funky cheeses, stuff that's I hate powerful. Blue cheese. How do people like blue cheese? That is so it's so gross. Like it's the most potent. So I don't get it. I don't get blue cheese eaters. I don't get dudes that date girls with short hair. <laughs> I mean, come on. We're all different, bro. Damn. We, we, just punch me in my nutsack. Dude, you're insulting my blue cheese. I didn't date a girl with short hair. I was dating a girl with long hair that, who now has short hair. That cheese started out not blue. <laughs> you want to fight this battle? We can fight this battle. <laughs> I love it for what it is. Uh, <laughs> damn it. That's fucked up. Well, at least my girlfriend could grow her hair back when she does, and the blue cheese is blue. It's blue Once forever. It's blue. Yeah, it's moldy true. for life. True. <laughs> you win. Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe my taste will evolve over time, and I start to appreciate short hair or something. Or no, maybe or blue cheese. And blue cheese and sours. You never know. Oh, dude. That's... Uh, fuck sours. <laughs> and blue cheese. I'm going to end up dying at like 90 eating blue cheese while drinking a sour beer and be like, fuck. God, I'll be I'll be looking at your grave like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> just I'm going to pour sour beers out for you. <laughs> Come by and just spill a little sour beer on my grave. I'm good to go. Well, the nice thing is, is if I throw a bunch of moldy blue cheese from someplace on your grave, maybe someday in the future we'll accidentally have a cheese run. Well, why did it turn blue? Well, Damien's grave's right over there. It's just saturated in blue cheese mold. I saw a thing today, actually, in the news. A guy actually had, he got a tattoo of Charles Manson, and they actually used Charles Manson's ashes in the tattoo. Okay. What is wrong with people? Well, all right. You can think of it that way, because I already accept that there's people that are, well, fucked up. But where in the shit did he get the ashes from? He was, he for the last, like, 50 years, he was his pen pal. Uh, he was like his. He was like the one guy. Oh, like that the, one. Like the girl who tried to marry him too. This was a guy who was like really wrote him every day for like thirty years. I like, would. He was lo- like well known. I guess. I, I wonder know. if they took Mar- uh, uh, Charles Manson's. I was gonna say Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson's dope. But I was gonna say Charles Manson's ashes and just dumped it somewhere and just sent off this guy like some other dead. They probably could have sold that shit on eBay for a whole bunch. They could have made a diamond or two out of it and sold it for a few things and made a shit ton of money. There's a bunch of controversy going on in the gaming world right now because one of the female gaming streams just as a kind, I don't know if she did as a joke, but she decided to sell her bathwater. And I saw that it not only sold out, she's backlogged for like a lot of baths. Dude, (laughs) Like what is wrong with people? Dude, there are entire things dedicated to gross shit being sold through sex based things. Dude, there's an entire guy. There's a huge controversy about this. Like, people have tried to sue this guy to stop, but it's a free speech thing. This guy has all murder objects. Like, you know, like he has Charles Manson's, like, you know, note that he left for people. Bloodstained sheets. He's got the mask that some guy used in a murder. He's a, there's a term for it, but it's uh, murder memorabilia. That's That's what it is. That's creepy. He sells all the murder objects from all these people, whether it's a family's, you know, the clothes they were killed in, the knife used in this murder, like famous people's things. And he makes a kill. And he constantly gets sued by everybody saying, don't do it. But he's like, dude, it's it's too late. So he's a pen pal to a lot of murderers. And he takes those notes that he gets and sells them on eBay and he sells out. Dude, there's 7.8 billion people on this planet. I'm going with 7 billion of our fucking weird people. All right. Try We're this. sitting here drinking wine and like being the biggest geeks about it. You know how many people out there are like, these idiots are drinking rotten grape and just talking like it's the greatest damn thing ever. Oh, you know yeah. It is. 
I mean, there's a reason I where I, those shows all became very popular on Netflix recently, like the Mind Hunters or the Inside the This Guy's Mind, Inside That Guy's Mind. Like everything's a serial killer. Oh yeah, yeah, dude, they're coming out with season two. It's gonna be great. I like the I like the weird crap that people watch sometimes, like uh, Gold Rush or all the that used to be History Channel. Now it's not history at all, but they're Alaskan king crab fishers, and they're the most popular damn show. And they're like, well, if you like king crab fishing, let's see what they do when they mine up gold in Alaska. And you're like. Dude, they're just mining gold. What's exciting about this? <laughs> but see, they're, they're people are watching that hoping something bad happens. All that is Oh, is, it's like a NASCAR thing. It it is a suspenseful people are waiting for somebody to fall off a boat. People are waiting for a boat to sink. People are waiting for cuz people get fucked up on those shows semi regularly. Yeah. But that's what they're all that's what they're waiting for. It's Dude, that, you're probably right cuz YouTube's most most YouTube's popular videos are people getting fucked up. This this is the most dangerous jobs in the world. So it was like I want to watch that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Cuz right now they have like Oregon loggers out there in the forest. X-Men. Boom 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 and then somebody loses a finger. <laughs> yeah, that's all the the people producing those need those clips for the highlights too. The irony is of that to me is then they make a show that they dumb down like Wipeout, where they run this crazy obstacle course, but they're all padded and they're all fine. But meanwhile, Japan had MXC and people got royally fucked up playing that game. That was hilarious watching people get I really think, hit. I think every single game show should be designed by a Japanese person. Oh my God, it'd be the funniest thing ever. I've heard, after out. watching all those Japanese TV shows that we were watching, I couldn't stop laughing at That everything. one where they had to they run the up ideas. the ice hill. The like. ice hill. <laughs> <laughs> they just, it gets all the way to the top and then takes everybody out. It's pretty funny oh man so where are we at now let's talk about argentina yeah so uh when it comes to argentina you know in the yusef episode we were talking a lot about malbec and we we're talking a lot about mendoza and how in mendoza, mendoza it's really important how high you are up on the hill and this is what people are starting to realize is the malbecs grown in the valley and the malbecs grown low tend to be not as interesting, and they don't have the acidity as the Malbecs that are growing up higher. So people are looking to go to the higher altitudes to get the best Malbecs, and the DOC of Malbec is at the top of the hill. Now, when it comes to uh, Tarantes, Tarantes has grown all over Argentina. However, what has been considered the best of the best Tarantes comes out of one very specific region called Salta, S-A-L-T-A. And... uh, Really, honestly, if I'm going to buy a Tarantes and I look and I'm looking at the section, I'm going to buy whatever says Salta. That's it. I'm not going to. If it just says Argentina, Mendoza, Argentina, wherever, Salta, done. That's the one I want. Yeah, that's. And it's interesting too because you see it. I only really, for the most part, see it on Argentinian wines. Is it says high altitude or you know extreme elevation or you know then they put the actual feet on it. So for this one says it too. So it's from Piatelli Vineyards and it says high altitude Salta Torrantes. And they base, they say it grows at 5900 feet, which is insane for how high that is. I mean, we're over a mile up at that point and it's this is the exact Torrantes I like. So I so the cool thing about Torrantes, there's actually three different Torrantes grapes. Now they're all the same. They're basically all like brothers. You know, they all have the same mom. And, or two of them have the same mom, same dad, and one of them has the same mom, different dad. That's the lineage of these things. And I don't have the exact names with it, but it's three different Torrantes. One's a little more floral. The other two are all racy and acidic. But in the end, it's all the same grape. They're kind of similar to the musket grape a little bit. They all have that super floral characteristic. And again, these are the wines I like. I like, it's the same reason I kind of like real peaty scotch. I like to be able to smell something like a good distance from my face. I'm not really 
I don't really love to shove my face into a glass. Not that it's ever stopped me from shoving my face into something, but I love these wines. And Tarantes to me is such a unique smell. So I always tell people it smells like a cleaning solvent you would use to clean your house, like a kitchen floor, like pine saw or something along those lines. And not in a bad way, not in a cheap chemically way. Like the fresh ingredient that they would put in to make your chemical cleaner good is what it is to me. So lemon in some cases, like I get crazy lemon on this and extremely floral nose. It's extremely floral. Like to me, it's perfume. It's when you're perfume. Wa- when, when you're walking into a department store around the holidays and all those women are like spraying perfume all over people trying to like get them to buy stuff. Yeah. It's that that white flower perfume. And you're talking about some citrus. I mean, I'm almost getting like like a meringue, like like a lemon meringue kind of out of it. Yeah. But I mean, it's I need to pour some more. Yeah, it's delicious. And the nice thing, I've never seen a Torontes get above 15 bucks. For me, it's all the nose. There's no other nose on the planet like Torontes. Some of the Albarinos have smelled similar, but not as potent, not as defined. These noses just jump up and slap you. Yeah, so the only ones, again, I could say similar to it would be Viognier and Malvasia. Malvasia. And, but not, but it doesn't smell the same. Like Malvasia and Viognier can drift into the same category of a smell, that fruity, that kind of almost a sweet nose, almost like a honey or like a candied lemon or peach or pineapple. This is straight up potent smell. And I love it. I, I honestly, I think it's fantastic. I don't. I'd have never paired it with food. I, I don't know. I just love to drink this wine. I think of Toronto's as being something you pair with sunshine and friends, not with food at all. <laughs> Flower dresses. Yeah, honestly, I mean hippie shit. E- e- Easter Sunday. Um, you. Sitting out there on the back porch, a bunch of girls running around their flower prints and stuff like that, just crushing Torontos. I'd be intrigued to you see, like, use this in cooking in a way, like a real quick, like, you know, kind of dosing of something just to kind of bring it down and still leave a little bit of the aromatic characteristics. I would almost, I would only probably want to really reduce it maybe for something for like a half second. So it still leaves the smell in there. Yeah. I probably want to just, if any, if I did anything, maybe like almost like a citrus gastrique with it or something. But I, the the it's almost so floral that it would throw off some cooking to me if I tried to like deglaze a pan. If I did a a chicken dish and I wanted to make a pan sauce, I wouldn't want to use this for the pan sauce because yeah. it's so vibrant. You know, I was just thinking delicious. And maybe I'm just I might be off on this one. It almost reminds me a little bit of Saint Germain, a little bit. The yes. liquor. Yes. No, you're right. Elderflower. Elderflower. That's it. That's, that's what I was looking exact, for. That's exactly yes. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's the smell. You I can't was get thinking. past. It like, smells just like Saint Germain. Because in my mind, I was like, yes. you know, this would be actually one of the very few wines I would say this could actually be mixed into a cocktail drink and affect the drink. Like I know some people make a cocktail and they use champagne to give it bubbles the same way they use the club soda. It kind of livens it up a bit, like a French seventy-five. Um, and I know there's a few other ones I've seen, like a float wine, but I've never seen a cocktail that affected the 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 cocktail I drink. So like you pour wine, anything it doesn't. This would one hundred percent change the taste or characteristic of it. And then in my mind, I was like, "Well, there's something like it." And it was Saint Germain. It pops in my head. So I I think it's great. It's light. It's real light. The acidity is not crazy over the top like the Gruner is. It's it's per, kind of in the kind middle. Of middle low to me. Yeah, I mean it's not really racy at all to me. No, this this is not. more about the 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 floralness of this wine. Yeah, exactly. This is something I would drink inside. And so, like, if I was at the pool, I would chug Vino Verde. 
I would enjoy, I actually wouldn't enjoy the Gruner by a pool only because I would let it keep changing while I sat, I'd sip the Gruner at a pool and by the time I'm done, it's warm. Torontos, I would, I would just drink like a glass of while I was just hanging out with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, I could drink the Torontos, uh, in the pool. I drink, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I drink the Vino Verde with the tacos for lunch. And then when I move inside, I'm going to move on to the this. Gruner. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way of putting it. It's like a structured story. <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't, I wouldn't want this with my food at all. Cause it's the, the floralness no. is almost a little too much for me. Yeah. Where, I mean, it's going to ruin the smell of the food that you're around. Without a doubt. Yeah. Versus I, the Vino Verde will complement the food. The Piotelli is kind of a standalone by itself or the, the Tarantas. I mean, case. I, I think the most food friendly of all of them is going to be the Gruner. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the one that's the most universal that can go with just about anything would be the Vino Verde. Yeah. And the one that you, I just, just want to yeah, get white girl wasted would be the uh, Piatelli. <laughs> Do that, especially on this one. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I just, like white girl wasted. We should make a label called that. We'll have to add that one too to the list. Yeah, well, now I, that the Supreme Court says you could put anything on a label, we could do whatever we want. You can make basic white bitch wine. But I'm pretty sure that uh, somebody had to have already made white girl like wasted because, I mean, that's a pretty common So here's term. the thing. I looked it up. Nobody did. Sweet. But I don't want to spend $150 on trademarking it either. So I actually looked up white, uh, basic white bitch wine too, and nobody's done that. Yeah. I found candles, t shirts. I, th- I think there's, you- a, there's a company that makes bullets. <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I think you have to definitely do it in a box if you're going to do like white girl, oh, like waste No, it or for something. sure goes in a screw top champagne bottle. No, or a, a juice box, like a Capri Sun Ooh. <laughs> is what it goes in. I got real wide eyed. That's a great idea. Like the app, dude. Yeah, like the, the tetra apple. Packs. Yeah, the the treetop box things. Is yeah. that what they're called? Tetra, tetra, packs? tetra packs. Did you ever get a Capri Sun that fermented in itself? No, I did one time. It was disgusting. Awful. Yeah, because the the thing was swelled out, and when I popped it, it sprayed, and like slime came out, and it was like bubbling. I'm like, oh, that's pretty gross. That's just the worst thing ever. And me as a kid didn't know. <laughs> I don't. I wonder what would happen if I drank that. Besides, probably going to a hospital. So last episode we were recording, we were talking about Google's auto populate, and we were saying if you, it's really fun to sit around and have a couple of drinks sometimes and just <laughs> type "How do I?" and see what comes see what up. Happens. So I typed "How to," and then I typed in one letter to see what would come up. Okay. And I did A through Z. Okay. Are we gonna play this game? No, but oh. it was pretty. It's pretty funny. Some of these that did come up. First of all, B is how to boil eggs. All right, that makes sense. Right. But here's the funny thing. H is how to hard boil eggs. <laughs> so Okay. Obviously, America's got an issue with eggs. <laughs> and then there was another one on here, too, that had to do with eggs that was like, what? So three of them, the, the first thing that pops up for how to had to do with eggs. So, well, would it be the E? How do eggs something something? So E is eat, how to eat. And it was a whole bunch of eats. So I left it at that. Let's see. There was... H was hard boil eggs, and then <laughs> hit the woe. How to hit the woe? Whatever the fuck that means. Like W. Yeah. So a couple of these, I was like, I, there were terms I didn't even hit know. The woe. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, that's like that sounds like a southern or midwestern thing. So oh yeah, M. Uh, M is one is the first how one was masturbate? how to how to M was how to make. The next one down uh. was how to make slime. <laughs> Whatever the yeah, I didn't get that. Then the third one down was how to make hard boiled eggs. <laughs> so I fucking Americans have a problem with hard boiled eggs. I figured so out. So is how to eat hard boiled eggs in there too? Uh, or uh, was P is how to peel hard 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 boiled egg? Pronounce. It was all how to pronounce. Uh, yeah. So pronounce for P was the big one. Uh, Q. The two big ones for Q were quit smoking and quit my job. I would. I, that makes that to me makes the most amount of sense. How to quit. 
Uh, T was funny. How to Train My Dragon. Of course. <laughs> but but it's not the movie. It was just like... Hold more. on. What? Okay. I'm, I'm intrigued by X and Z. So Z, how to so so X-ray. this is the, the, so this how the, to so so this is funny. So the very first one for X was how to Xbox sh- game share because I guess games uh, are downloaded. Xbox. The second thing under X was how to X-ray a baby. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> the X-ray is in there. How to but not just X-ray, but how to X-ray a baby. You know what makes me nervous is there's probably a shit ton of radiologists out there who are like, oh god, I gotta X-ray a baby, and immediately Google something. And there's probably like a YouTube video that's ten minutes long. It's like, hold on, give me. A so, All right, so Z. So how to... Z wasn't, isn't very interesting. It's zoom in and zoom out. Oh. But, oh. How to YOLO? Oh, no, that's oh. I'm saying uh, Y. Wasn't YOLO for Y. First of all, it was how, how, to, how to YouTube, how, how to yodel, yodel, and then how to yeet. <laughs> for the three. I love how to yeet. How do you, you grab third, it and you fucking throw it. That's how the, you yeet. Is the most... Search for thing on Google for how to. Oh my to. god! You know what? By the way, the how to yeet is a hundred percent adults looking up what the fuck their kids are saying. How to yeet? Yeah, but yeah. Oh, the most search thing, search for thing for oh, how, how to open a bottle of wine. All right, so there is a wine related thing. Yeah. So is S how to slam a beer? Uh, screenshot. Yeah, okay. Dude, that's that's funny, man, dude. I love... Some of these were really funny as I went through them. I wrote a whole bunch of them down because I thought they were funny. I thought the whole uh, How open a bottle eat. of wine, and I thought X-Ray a baby was really funny. The yeet was pretty funny. There's a couple on there that I was like, huh. God, I hope to God D doesn't involve drowning or something. Well, there was one It was... So V is how to void a check, and W is how to write a check. <laughs> you put your fucking name on it in numbers. What? Oh, but my the, God. But, I, I would imagine T... Uh, or I figured T would have been like how to do taxes. Or... But there was a bunch of them that were like this that were everyday things. Like the very, the A, most searched for thing for A, how to, how Apply. to address a letter. Ugh, dude, man, we are nobody missing... uses, But nobody uses the mail anymore. That's a good point. Like, yeah, you, you're right. When's the last time you sent somebody a mail that wasn't an email? <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap, I don't know. Even your bills, like you pay those Everything's online. online. Totally. My brain hurts now thinking about that because now I'm thinking about all the things I did as kids. Like, dude, it took me forever to learn how to do taxes even. I'm 32 years old, by the way, and barely actually know how to... Dude, I'm 32. Oh, that hurt to say out loud. So, <laughs> yeah, the three J's were... By jump. the way, happy birthday, you old fuck. Oh, yeah. Damien, Damien just recently had his birthday the other day. Damien just was able to celebrate the anniversary of his 25th. <laughs> 25 years ago? <laughs> Almost. What are you, uh, 17th, 17 years se- ago? 17th anniversary of my 25th. Oh, 17th anniversary of your 25th, so 43. Fuck yeah. All right, 42? 43. 43, yeah, 43. Dude, you're catching up, dude. You'll be there before you know it. Yeah, I know. We're all getting there at some point. Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, we all hope to get there at some point. I don't know many other 43-year-olds doing wine podcasts on Twitch, so. That's a good point. I know. I only know a couple 43-year-olds, and a couple of them are very unhappy with their life decisions, so that's good. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's wrap up the podcast today, and then let's move this over to the after show on Twitch for people. Let's do that. Uh, we'll be able to answer some questions for everybody. Um, do you have any final thoughts? I know you're the one that usually asks it, but I just went ahead and nah, dropped man. the I bomb. Mean, that's, that's the end of it. I think these are perfect. I think these, if you give it an opportunity and you want to go to the store and you're sitting in an aisle staring at the white section, don't get the Chardonnay. Try something different. Get a Torrantes, get a Gruner, get a Vino Verde. And I swear it's going to be different. Don't do the the normal three, the Sablon, Pinot Grigio, and the Chardonnay. Go for the obscure one. They're all there. I promise you will find it in the store. Like Not like a Circle K or something, but if you have a major chain store, one of these bottles will be there, and I definitely recommend trying them. Well, I think so many people also say that they don't drink whites because they've only been exposed to shitty Chardonnay, 
And so they think all white tastes like that. So they're like, I'm a red drinker. I don't drink whites. And they've only had the three shitty selections at a restaurant. And they don't run into cool gruners or some of these cool other fun things. Yeah. I realized this selling companion wines when I was selling Fiano and Greco and all those crazy uh, companion stuff. People love those wines, but they never had anything like it because of the minerality in those. Oh, yeah, dude, the Grecos. Honestly, you got me drinking Malvasia. I, th- I still to this day yeah. think that one you gave me that was slightly carbonated is still one of my favorite white wines ever. And it'll never be in these states. Yeah, so everybody uh, throw a little ABC party, have a little fun, uh, have a little, uh, anything but Chardonnay or anything but Cab. Yeah. And uh, good luck getting through the summer with these. Uh, we'll return. What are we going to do for our next theme? Do we know? I don't know. We might probably, we'll probably stick with one more summer thing. So we were talking about doing a blanc. Maybe we do do the regular one. We do like a, we do Chardonnay. That's not what people drink Chardonnay or like a Sal Blanc. We should do another Rosé episode. You know, we'll we, definitely we, do another Rosé episode. We, we scratched the surface for Rosé. We definitely need to do another one. Yeah. Maybe we just focus on a certain area like we do California, Oregon. We'll do an American Rosé episode. Cool. So, yeah. Awesome. So make sure you all reach out. Follow us on uh, Facebook, Spilling the Truth. Follow us on Instagram, Spilling the Truth Podcast. And now live and answering your questions right. on Twitch. Uh, throw us a follow on Twitch also. Uh, and then this will be expanding. So what we're going to do is we're when we're done recording the actual show, we're going to do an after show on Twitch. And then we'll be developing an actual full Twitch show here in the next couple weeks. Uh, so we're going to take a little break. And then we'll be back in probably 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. And we'll do another little segment just for y'all live on Twitch. Yeah. And coming up in the future, I'll have that tied into Twitter, so I'll be able to tweet out that we're going live with a period of time that we're doing it. Um, Plus, these should be archived once we get everything all dialed in, but this was kind of a first run. So Cool. Thanks, guys. We always love that you listen. Awesome. Cheers. Love you guys.